0: Recently we at Tomorrow's World began a short series of programs to help remind people of the cultural foundation of Western society. All around us we see angry people seeking to destroy or demean the historical culture of the West, including the record of achievement of many outstanding individuals who helped establish the nations we call home. The Western traditions of responsible government, freedom of speech, association, and religion laid the foundation for the peace and prosperity within our boundaries. The unprecedented attacks on the pillars of Western culture on the part of ill-educated but vocal and sometimes violent woke movements seek to discredit the present social order that has been a great blessing and benefit within our borders and to the world at large. These so-called woke movements seek also to erase from society's collective memory the story of the men who are in truth the foundational pillars of Western culture, and the lessons that have come to us through them. This especially applies to the story of the great patriarchs who are referenced in the biblical text. In two earlier programs in this series, we looked at Abraham and then Isaac. Today we shall review the critical history of the man known as Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, becoming the first Israelite. This man's life contains many lessons for us today, including the predictions or prophecies that were made about what would happen to this family, even to the times that are yet ahead of us, providing those who seek to understand a window to the future. Stay tuned. As we know from the Biblical record, Abraham was selected by God to be given some incredible promises, including that his descendants would eventually be the wealthiest and most powerful people on the earth. We have earlier related incidents from his journeys and experiences, and his constant loyalty to the law of his God. After waiting many years, God gave this man the son that He had promised. His name was Isaac. He had had an earlier son named Ishmael, who was also foretold to become a significant people, but the son of promise was Isaac. Isaac later married a cousin from Abraham's family in northern Mesopotamia. Her name was Rebekah, and together they had two sons who were fraternal twins. These boys were very different from one another. Esau grew to be a skilled hunter, a man of the open field, and scripture implies he became a warrior. Jacob seemed to be the opposite in character. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. Keep in mind that Jacob's father Isaac was a very rich and powerful man. The family had huge herds and many camels, indicating that they were middlemen in trade routes. Isaac was as powerful or more so than many of the kings around him. When the Bible states, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents, it is likely indicating that Jacob stayed at the home base and was managing much of the large family business. We see later that Jacob had learned well how to manage livestock for instance. However Jacob harbored a ruthless and hard cold streak. When his brother was apparently near death from starvation, he sold him a bowl of soup for his birthright. This would seem to be an epitome of callousness. On the other hand, Esau did not seem to value the blessings God had promised. He was not willing to struggle for them. He didn't treasure them and lived more for the moment. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. So he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. As the story unfolds, We are also made aware of another character flaw in Jacob. Besides his callousness, along with his mother, he exhibited a serious lack of honesty. Rebekah discovered that Isaac was planning to bestow on Esau the blessings of wealth, power, and dominion that God had given him to pass on. Rebekah knew this was not God's intention, based on a prophecy that God had given her before the boys were born. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and the older shall serve the younger. Isaac would probably have known of this prophecy as well, but instead of turning to God for intervention, Rebekah panicked and decided to make her own solution. She instructed Jacob to disguise himself as Esau, since Isaac was now blind, and to obtain the blessing by deception. Isaac, although suspicious at first, was finally convinced. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go and get them for me. And he went and he got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, and put them on Jacob her younger son. And she put the skins of kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands of the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said I am. This was an overt lie, and it was a violation of the fifth commandment to honor one's parent. Yet God allowed the blessing transferred to stand, because he knew Esau would not really value it. But Jacob was not to go unpunished for his crime. He would soon learn what it feels like to be deceived. Dishonesty appears to have been a common trait in Rebekah's family, as Jacob would soon discover. Sin never produces a good outcome. Esau now hated Jacob, a hatred that lived on in his descendants to this very day. Then Rebekah discovered that Esau was planning to kill his brother she persuaded Isaac to send Jacob away to Haran, to her brother Laban, also a very wealthy man, where he could obtain a wife from his own people. But in fact God was sending him to a man who surpassed Jacob as a greedy, unscrupulous deceiver. When Jacob left his parents' home to find a wife in Haran, he was approximately 77 years of age. He would not return until he was about 97. While Jacob was on his six hundred mile journey from Beersheba to Haran, he stopped for a night at a location now known as Bethel. There he had a dream in which he received a prophecy concerning his descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your seed all families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. This is a staggering promise. Many have been confused as to why it appears that the Jews, while hardworking and often successful, never seem to fulfill the terms of this prophecy. The late biblical scholar John O'Gwyn compiled a great deal of research information, Into a remarkable booklet which shines light on this mysterious prediction made to Jacob 3,900 years ago. It is published as The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. Welcome back. In our last segment, we saw that Jacob had a prophetic dream concerning great blessings for himself and his progeny while on his way to Haran. He, shaken by this revelation, made a memorial pillar of the stone on which his head had lain while he slept, and predicted its eventual incorporation into a temple for God. The next day he continued on his journey. Eventually he arrived at the home of his mother's brother Laban in Haran. At first he was welcomed into the home of his rich uncle, who himself was a successful herdsman and farmer. Laban offered to pay him for his services, Jacob, however, was struck by the beauty of Laban's younger daughter, Rachel, and for her hand in marriage, agreed to give Laban seven years of labor. On his wedding night, Laban substituted the older sister, Leah, for Rachel, deceiving Jacob and requiring him to work another seven years for Rachel. Laban continued to defraud Jacob in terms of payment and working conditions. During those long twenty years he learned to see the damage created by dishonesty, and he began to hate deceit as he was victimized time and again. God was working with him. Through God's eventual blessing he had acquired wealth and now was inspired by him to return to Canaan with his wives and eleven sons. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob! And I said, Here I am. And he said, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family. As Jacob changed, God increased his blessings and protection, eventually transferring Laban's wealth to him. Jacob had been humbled and now at about 97 years of age, was a very different person, yet he still had an iron will and valued and desired to retain the blessing and birthright that God had transferred to him. He now had a large family of four wives and eleven sons. His enterprise included thousands of livestock and likely hundreds of servants to care for it all. However, as he was returning, his concern turned to his brother Esau, the brother from whom he had stolen the blessing the brother who had vowed to kill him. Jacob was very anxious about this and his family's safety. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. Jacob knew that now there was no option but to humbly depend on God. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, For I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. In this state of repentance and humility, God could work with him. Now the very being who became Jesus Christ met the repentant Jacob on the night before they would cross the river back into Canaan. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And He said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed them there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Even well into his nineties, Jacob was still very strong. Wrestling for a few minutes is exhausting, but to do it all night against a supernatural opponent who does not tire is quite impressive. On top of that, the searing pain from a dislocated hip would have caused any normal man to let go, but he prevailed. However, the injury to his hip was permanent and Jacob limped the rest of his life. God was now assured of Jacob's dependence on him. He saw a humbled man with an unshakable faith in the eternal and his promise. This patriarch would still go through great trials with a very unconverted family and some rather troublesome sons, but God knew Jacob's character could now be trusted and so he intervened to change the heart of Esau and his desire to murder his brother. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Jacob knew God had answered his prayer, just as he will answer ours in similar circumstances if we are repentant before him. God delivered Jacob because he also had a great purpose for his descendants to understand the history of Jacob or Israel's descendants write for our well-researched and well-documented resource The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy We left the story at the end of the last segment with Jacob about to enter Canaan with his large family He first journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house Here he likely lived for several years as his children grew older Later he moved near the Hivite city of Shechem, an ancient and well-established settlement where he bought a parcel of land from the children of Hamor. Sometime later, the son of the ruler of Shechem raped Jacob's daughter Dinah. Unbeknown to Jacob, two of her brothers, Simeon and Levi, instead of asking God to intervene, decided to take revenge on the citizens of the city, and through deception, they and their many men under their command attacked and sacked the city, freeing their sister. The slaughter of Shechem by Jacob's sons threatened to turn the Canaanites against him. Jacob harshly responded to his son's action. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and Perizzites, and since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? This incident does highlight that Jacob already was a substantial force, and that his sons were tough, rebellious, and were not following their father's example of obedience to God. They were a very difficult family to handle. God intervened and directed Jacob to move south to Bethel, where he had received the vision during his flight from Esau. Here God repeated and expanded his promise to Jacob. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations, shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. This is an amazing promise, and one that can be used to identify with certainty the modern descendants of Jacob. It was on the journey from Bethel that Jacob's wife Rachel died in childbirth, delivering Benjamin, her second son, and Jacob's 12th. Clearly, Jacob's life to date had not been an easy one. It had been a life of struggle, Of correcting character flaws. But he had developed a great loyalty towards the God of creation, such that his maker knew he could count on Jacob to do the right thing under pressure. Yet, Jacob's trials were many. His oldest son by Rachel was now a young 17 year old named Joseph. He was particularly close to his father and appeared to have been trusted to give Jacob accurate updates on the massive family enterprise. Joseph's early tendency to inform his father about his brother's misdeeds caused him to be hated by his siblings. It culminated in an incident when one of his brothers, Simeon, wanted to kill Joseph, but Judah intervened and suggested selling him as a slave instead. They sold him to Ishmaelites passing by, and he was taken to Egypt. The boys then lied to their father, concocting a story that Joseph was killed by a wild beast. Jacob was devastated, yet in all of this he remained utterly faithful to God. His sorrow was turned to joy 22 years later when Joseph was found alive, learning that God had indeed protected his son. We will conclude the story of these great heroes of the past in a subsequent program, but remember that if you live in the West, these are stories of the founders of the culture that is around us. The account of the lives of the patriarchs is in large measure the beginning of the history of how our nations came to be. The wealth and peace we have enjoyed are functions of the faithfulness, obedience, and manly character of these patriarchs of Western culture. Be sure to acquire our resource, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy, which proves from history how the great promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were fulfilled with amazing accuracy, prophecies that have a huge impact on today's world and prophecies that hold a terrifying warning to those same people if they continue to reject the God of their fathers. Join us next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring you more about the history and future of all peoples ultimately the future we call Tomorrow's World.